Yo, 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 what's good? What's good, everybody? Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of the Isaiah K Podcast. Welcome back. So it is the morning time. I hope everybody out there is doing fine on their way to work, on their way to school. Maybe, you know, maybe you've been at work. Maybe you're about to get off. Who knows? But shouts out to everyone that is listening, that is going to listen to this pod. Greatly, greatly appreciate it. We had some great football on this past weekend. It was like, it was really, it was just ultimately great television. Ultimately great television. I had so many people reach out to me, like via text, call, DM, whatever. Just like, obviously I'm watching the game, but asking me, like, are, are you seeing what's happening? And I'm like, yeah. It, like great television, great games this past weekend. Really good, right? Uh, obviously, we're going to break down these matchups. We're gonna, you know, we're, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna give you guys the whole breakdown, so you guys don't even have to worry about that. But first and foremost, I'm your humble and highly favorite host, Isaiah Kid, with Isaiah Kid Podcast. Shout out, shouts out to everyone that is listening, first time listeners, regular listeners. Greatly, greatly appreciate it if you're sharing the pod, uh, reposting the pod, downloading the pod. Speaking of downloading and following in, you know, the pod. I greatly appreciate everyone for anyone that does that. <clears throat> I, recently, I found some statistics that half of you guys aren't even, you know, um, you guys don't have on notifications for the pod. There should be like a, a check mark. I don't know, depending on what it, this can vary, depending on what that uh, what streaming platform you use to listen to my podcast. But on, I know for Spotify and I know for Apple, those are our two major streaming platforms that people use for spotify there is an actual bell icon that you can click so you can get the up-to-date notifications on when episodes drop and for apple i think there is a check mark you can hit um there may be other settings but i know for sure i know for certain there could be a check mark that you can hit to get notifications half you guys that listen to the pod don't actually get notifications that the pod is out so continue to listen thank you but also let's follow make sure we follow and let's make sure we turn on those notifications so you know when the pod drops and you're not episodes behind right so let's let's do that but thank you guys greatly appreciate everyone tapping in listening and let's just start from let's just start to let's just get to the obvious right Today, I do feel for Bills fans. I feel for Bills Mafia. Half of me, I would say. The other half of me, I'm going to break down what happened and obviously give my opinion. But I I am going to be sympathetic to Bills fans and Bills Mafia. Because I, you know, previous my previous episode, I gave my prediction. And I basically said, hey, <clears throat> I think Josh Allen, the talent... And this Bills team, you know, they've been knocking at the door. They play Kansas City. I think this has the makings. I essentially said this has the makings of a really good rivalry. But it, I can't classify this as a rivalry, as a rivalry because it's very much one-sided up until this point in terms of postseason results. Kansas City always wins in the playoffs. Granted, I mean, Buffalo over the past three years in the, in the regular season, but when it's mattered most, Buffalo's been a no-show. Buffalo has lost those games. Buffalo can't win those games. So 
up until this point, I thought this was the best opportunity for the Bills to beat the Chiefs, right? They got momentum, right? They they're they 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 got into the playoffs, they got high at the right time, they won a division, stole the division, I should say, from Miami. Um, like I said, right, they're running the football, they're doing things a little bit differently in Buffalo. And I was like, wow, they finally get this type of game at home in their house with their environment with their fans this is the best opportunity now to some of you guys i may not have sound so convincing because i still end up picking the kansas city chiefs and patrick mahomes to come out victorious but i truly did (laughs) i truly did thought i thought this is the best opportunity now my prediction like i said it may not have been too convincing at the end but that was just my prediction that was just my thought. I was just giving you guys, you know, some, some uh, uh, multiple various opinions, I should say. <laughs> um, Bills fans, it must be demoralizing. Now, let's get to the game part. In the first half, Buffalo looked really good. Now, I say that because they did really They did. I mean, statistically, they looked really good. Um, despite only being... They double time they double time possession. Um, Kansas City's time possession. They had double the first downs. Um, they were running the ball really effectively. I think about five yards per carry, five to six yards per carry. And then uh, then they had 235 total yards of offense in the first half. Um, I thought they were well balanced offensively in the first half, and I thought them having a successful ground game would ultimately help them win this game. In the second half, there were opportunities on a platter for Buffalo to win this game, right? And I'm going to just say it right here at the top. Josh Allen played really well, right? He played really well. Did he play well enough for the Bills to win this game? Yes, he did. But when there were plays that needed to be made in order for the Bills to win this game, did he do so? No, he did not do so. And I know it might sound contradicting, but he did not do so. So I'm not, and with me saying it, I'm not saying Josh Allen's a bad quarterback. I'm not saying he didn't play well or, no, 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 no. I think he's awesome. I think Josh Allen, the player, the talent, I think he's awesome. But he got you got to find a way. You got to find a way to win these games. Point blank, period. Now, I don't think all of the blame should be given to Josh Allen, right? I think there's plenty of blame to go around. <clears throat> I think there's plenty of blame to go around. I think um, the timeout situation at the end was kind of weird. They used a timeout to prevent from getting a delay a game just to get a delay game called on them that was weird um there were some drops from receivers right josh allen threw some really good balls there were some drops receivers just dropped passes down the field there were two deep shots stefan diggs had one of them he dropped it he just dropped it he couldn't come up with the catch right i think the fake punt call um to demar hamlin i thought that was a bad call and the outcome of that could have been a lot worse, right? The outcome of that could have really just sealed the game if it wasn't for McCole Harmon fumbling and it leading to a touchback. 
right? But then you you think about it. After the touchback, Buffalo gets the ball back. What do they do? Nothing. Three and out. Like, there were opportunities for Buffalo to win this game in the whole entire fourth quarter. They trailed by three, and they had opportunities to not only win the game, but at least tie the game, right? And the kicker, yes, he gets blamed too, right? I think organizationally, I don't know what Buffalo, like at this point, where do you go for Buffalo, right? You you ran the ball, you, you got the game in your house, in your environment, and you still couldn't be Kansas City. And ultimately for me, I thought about adversity. And this, I think everybody looks good when the sun is shining and everything is just going right and everything is laid on a platter. Everybody, everybody can scream and rejoice and have a good time during the good times. But when adversity comes, weather's a little shaky, right? Not everything's going your way. The Kansas City Chiefs have, in a, in a sense, I think, have mastered something that really can't be measured up like at this point and it's championship they have championship grit they have just championship culture about them like Travis Kelsey had a big game and for the most part of it like for the most part I know he's been battling some injuries and so forth but Travis Kelsey has been a shell of himself for his standards not for the regular tight end like no 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 for Travis Kelsey elite standards He's been, a, he's been a shell of himself. In the biggest spots, though, he comes up, two touchdowns, one of the touchdowns, it was a walk-in touchdown. He was just wide open. Uh, he was butt naked open. I don't know how you lead Travis Kelsey wide open, but, hey, go figure, right? Go figure. Um, I thought MVS, he made – I thought the whole entire receiver room for the Chiefs played really well. Um, They led the league in drops this year. Did they drop one pass on Sunday? I don't know. I don't think they did. I don't recall seeing one. But MVS, he made some plays, right? Um, Mahomes and Andy Reid, they have talked about, you know, the, the development process of Rasheed Rice. He's come along throughout the season and throughout the year um, as somewhat of a safety blanket outside of Travis Kelsey for Mahomes, right? He played, he made some big-time catches. Um, even with Hardman, like Andy Reid has this trust with the players. Don't put them in the doghouse. Like I said, MVS, McCall Harmon, these guys, they, they, they've had some, they've had some down moments, some down times this year. And other coaches may have put them in the doghouse and may have like, may have reacted or behaved differently. Andy Reid continues to buy-in, continues to give them some trust. Even after Hardman's fumble, you saw Andy Reid's face like, man, I trusted you, right? You saw it. And that's what Kansas City has. And I, I said it earlier this year, but the Chiefs remind me, this Chiefs team and what they have, this run that they have going on, it's, I'm not going to say it's the same as the Patriots, but it's very similar, right? It's very similar. And funny enough, I called this Chiefs team this year. They reminded me of the 2018 Patriots. 2018 Patriots had a so-so regular season. They didn't have they they were a two seed, so they didn't have home field throughout the throughout the playoffs, and they had to go to Arrowhead 
in order to get to the Super Bowl. And that Patriots team, it wasn't the most talented. Like I said, funny enough, Julian Edelman recently just um he ranked the top five Patriots teams from you know the, the Super Bowl winning teams. And the 2018 Patriots <laughs> did not make it. And they did not make it for a reason. They were not the most talented. Um, they probably weren't the best team in the conference that year. Probably they weren't the best team in the league probably that year, right? But they just knew how to win. They had championship medal. Um, you know, the, and they were able to go into Arrowhead and somehow put up 37 points. Yes, that Patriots offense was able to put up 37 points and outscore Mahomes. Don't ask me how. That's just how they did it, right? Um, and then the, literally in the Super Bowl, that same Patriots offense only put up 13 points, right? But they somehow held the Rams to three points. That that high-flying Rams offense with Jared Goff and Brandon Cooks and Robert Woods and Todd, a prime Todd Gurley. Don't ask me how they only held them to three points. I don't know how. That was just the Patriot thing. That was just the Patriot way. And that is what the Chiefs have. They have remnants, like they have remnants of that, and their run kind of resembles that. And with this Chiefs team, like I said, this version of the Chiefs, they're not overly explosive over the top. They're not gonna, they're not gonna beat you in a boat race, but they're gonna make the game physical. They're gonna keep it close. They're gonna play good defense, right? Mahomes is gonna make plays and he's gonna come through in the clutch and he's going to be running around like that is what they that's what they are and it kind of showed itself in this game and with buffalo i i can just kind of see it on some of the faces of the players i can see it in some of the body language they thought this was their opportunity but the moment they realized oh damn kansas city they're not just they're not going to just lay down. The moment they realize that, I don't know if those players even thought that they can win that game. Because guess what? <laughs> they haven't. They haven't been able to win that game. So in these in these tight spots, Buffalo choked up, right? And I know some people don't like to say, oh, this and that choke. They choked. In sports, choke jobs happen. <clears throat> you know, they like they simply happen, and that's what simply happened Sunday night. Chiefs, I mean, the Bills choked, and the def it's the little definition of choking. You perform at a level and you set a standard, right? And but then when competitive greatness is called for, and the pressure is at his at its highest, you perform below the standard. That is the literal definition of choking. And that's what happened from Buffalo. Like I said, doesn't mean that Josh Allen isn't good. It doesn't mean that this Bills organization haven't done a lot of things right. No, they checked some of the boxes. And I thought, I honestly thought Buffalo, <clears throat> like I said, after the first half, I was like, okay, look like Buffalo's in good shape. Granted, only being up four. It looked like they were in good shape, but the momentum, it just drained away. And I know for, I know for the fans, it's, 
it was demoralizing. And for the players, as time waned on and as Buffalo's offense became stale, it it kind of demoralized them. And the faith and the hope was just gone. And sometimes that's just how it is. Right? That's just that's just how it goes. But I like, for instance, I think looking back at it, Buffalo, you know, when they signed Von Miller, they thought they were one player away. Like Von Miller on that defensive line, you get an elite pass rusher that can get to the quarterback in these big time moments. And looking back at it, right? Like, like I said, when you got when you when you're a team that's trying to push for a Super Bowl and you feel like you're a player or two away and you go out in free agency and you and you spin for that player, they gotta hit. Right? They 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 gotta they gotta they gotta hit and it has to it has to work. Von Miller, it just hasn't worked, right? Like the Von Miller signing just has not been a good one. Yes, granted he tore his ACL last year, but this year, like he was a complete no-show. I forgot that Von Miller was even on the field, right? I forgot that he was even on the field. This year, he had zero sacks. Zero sacks. That's just not going to cut it, right? That's just, like, you brought him in to be dominant, to be this dominant and to be your lead pass rusher, and he was far from that. He was far from that. Von Miller was far from that. Five tackles and 14 games played this year. And like I said, in this spot, in the biggest moments, didn't show up. Didn't show up. And those type of free agency signings can kind of, they hurt. Because like, okay, you gave this money up. Granted, he was a little bit on the older side. But he was a complete non-factor. So it's just all of those elements, right, of Kansas City Buffalo where I thought Josh Allen played well. And this is the this is kind of the downside to results. You know, our in sports, I think I say it all the time. I bring it up, you know, I, I mention it. But in sports, we're so resort oriented. Where we're, we 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 focus on the result, and I'm not mad with it. I just think there's an upside and there's a downside to it, and this is the downside. The downside is years from now, t- twenty years from now, whatever, when people are having debates about this generation's quarterbacks, and we look at Josh Allen playoff losses, no one is going to go back and say. Not uh, well. I'm not gonna say no one, but a lot of people aren't gonna go back and say, "Man, Josh Allen played well. He played well in those games. He should have won those games. He played well enough to win those games." You know, if only if that kicker would have made that kick. No, no one is gonna do that. What they're gonna see is he lost to Patrick Mahomes up until this point. He's lost three straight playoff games to Patrick Mahomes. He hasn't beat Patrick Mahomes and Chiefs in a playoff game. That is gonna be the story. That is going to be the topic of conversation. That is going to be the topic of conversation. You're going to see these playoff losses. You're going to see these divisional losses. And you're going to be like, wow. Right? That That is the downside, depending on who you are, depending on where you stand in the argument. You know, right? If you're on the losing side or the winning side, that's the, that's the downside of 
results and we prioritize what was the result not the process you know we don't like to add context what was the result right what was the result i always say it granted tom brady that that temp bay the buccaneers won the super bowl right the year the buccaneers won the super bowl and it's just so glorious tamp you know tom gets a lot of praise for a lot of love i'm not knocking it but we forget the super bowl run <laughs> we forget the super bowl run right like do people won't remember that tom in the second half of that nfc championship game versus the packers threw three interceptions right he he was he was abysmal in the second half of that nfc championship game it won't get talked about right we don't we don't remember that part <clears throat> we don't remember that part just like how people don't remember the part when hey everybody's like man the bad boy pistons they finally got over the celtics they beat the celtics they got over the hump what people don't talk about is larry barrett in that eastern conference series final in that eastern conference final series had back injuries and that first and when the, and the pistons finally got over the hump bird barely played in half of the series people don't talk about that though people don't talk about the fact they don't mention that type of contextual that contextual detail right we just we remember the result the bad boy pistons finally got over the hump and beat the and beat the celtics right that is that is the context that's the that, that's the context but the result that's the result <laughs> never mind the fact that bird bird had a bad back and didn't play for in half of the series right right that that that, that just goes out the window we're results results oriented and with buffalo <clears throat> like i said i'm not i'm not on one side or the other all i'm just mentioning is with when it comes down to it josh allen those playoff losses they're going to be blemishes and no one is is going to 25 years from now is going to go into detail and be like man he did this and played well and he threw a couple deep balls that didn't get caught his receivers dropped it no one's going to remember that what it's going to show is that he lost and he played well he did not do enough for the bills to win and like i said there's plenty of blame to go around in terms of the coaching staff the fake punt i thought was a bad call josh allen's second down incompletion his incompletion on second down on that last drive right you know stefan diggs didn't play well he had a drop another receiver had a drop and obviously the kicker missed the kick right they all choked it was a choke job and with kansas city i told i've been telling you guys this for some time but they have some patriot vibes this like this this run that they're on it has some pay it resembles the patriots a little bit and like i said this year's chiefs this version of the chiefs reminds me of the 2018 patriots they just find ways to win they're not the most talented um especially on offense they're not the most talented i don't know how they went into kansas city just like hey just like I told you guys, I don't know how that 2018 Patriots team went into Kansas City and dropped 37 points, and then the following game in the Super Bowl only dropped 13, but hold the Rams to three. I don't know how. Just like I don't know how this Kansas City offense, who their their receivers led the league in drops, go up to Buffalo 
score 27 points, did not punt the ball at all, and they move on to the AFC Championship game. It's the championship grit. It's championship DNA. And this run that they're on, it gives Patriot vibes. <laughs> you know, there's some Patriot vibes. There's some Patriot, you know, dynasty vibes that resemble this Chiefs this Chiefs run that they're on. You know, their impact, their impact players on offense and defense come in in big spots and big moments. Right? That's just what it is. That's what it comes down to. Um, so I know that was pretty long. I wanted to make sure I hit on my key points for that game. That game was really good to watch. Um, like I said, I do feel for Bill fans. I feel for the fans of the Buffalo Bills. And, yes, at some point they do deserve to play in the Super Bowl, to win a Super Bowl, but that time is not now. And it's like it, – it, and with after this game, it's like, wow, you got them at home. And it must be demoralized. Like, are we ever going to beat these guys? Are, do like, what 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 more can we do? Are we ever going to be able to be good enough to beat these guys? It, it comes to that point where it's like, wow. And with the great ones, like I told you, I told you guys, Mike Patrick Mahomes, his clutch gene, um. The mixture of his play is just something we haven't seen, right? It's just something – it's something very, like, Michael Jordan-ish about it. And it's something that we just have – we just don't see. We haven't seen it. And that's what Mahomes have. He has this this clutch gene, um, perfect mixture of athleticism, arm talent, being able to improvise and it's like man are we ever going to be this we're going to are we going to ever beat this team are we going to ever just get over this hump and it kind of gives michael jordan vibes where michael jordan literally dominated a decade he dominated a decade and he prevented so many hall of famers from not winning championships and it was like are we ever going to beat this guy like, are we ever going to beat this guy? Like that 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 was the that was said by many fan base bases when Michael Jordan was dominating and winning championships. The same thing could be said for Tom Brady and the Patriots. Are we ever going to beat them? Are we even? Are we ever going to be good enough to get over the hump? Mahomes, Kansas City, they kind of have that vibe, and I know Buffalo, the fans, the organization. I don't know where they go from there because it's like this was a time, this is the year, Kansas City, very susceptible to defeat, very vulnerable to defeat. And it's like, and we're still not good enough. We had the game in our backyard, in our environment, with our fans, and we still couldn't get it done. Tough, tough break. Tough break for Bills Mafia, for the for the Bills organization as a whole, and congratulations to the Chiefs for advancing to the AFC Championship game for the sixth straight year. <laughs> like Mahomes, he's never not been in the AFC Championship game. It's literally AFC Championship game. Like it's at least that's that's the that's the floor, AFC Championship game. 
as Nick Wright call it, it's the Kansas City Invitational. Wow. And so we move on to the Packers and 49ers game. And speaking of uh, almost winning or looks like they're like for most of that game, it looked like the Packers not they, they had control of the game. I feel like on both sides, their offense was wildly productive with getting the ball up the field, um, expect, uh, explosive run plays, explosive pass p- plays. You know, drawing defensive and you know pass interference on 49ers DB like backers really came out swinging and, and they play they played good enough for a majority of the game to win. Um, but <clears throat> man, Kyle Kyle Shanahan and Brock Purdy the one that one two combo was a bit off. They were a bit off. Right, and they almost get—they almost sent the the Packers almost sent the 49ers packing, <laughs> almost sent them packing. Now I will say this, Kyle, <clears throat> from a 49er perspective, and looking ahead, Kyle was a little off. I've watched plenty of 49ers games, especially in the Kyle Shanahan era. I've watched all of their playoff games, and he just looked off. Like in terms of play from the from the from the start too from the very start, play calling was a little like chin scratching. Um, it was a rainstorm, and he he just kind he just came out guns blazing and just throwing the football all over the place like he was Lincoln Riley, and I'm like, Cal, you first your quarterback and Brock Purdy. He obviously doesn't throw a good wet ball. When it's when it's raining and the ball is wet, like Purdy had some issues. He was he had a couple possessions with the glove on. Then he took the gloves off. Then like like he was never. It's, it never seemed like up until the latter part in the game and where certain throws had to be made. It never seemed like Purdy had a good rhythm going on in terms of the passing game. It was very. It was very up and down. There was some dropped interceptions. Um, I think Darnell Savage, I think Darnell Savage had an interception right in his hand that would have been like a pick six, got dropped. Um, so very fortunate for Brock Purdy that some of those interceptions were dropped. But Cal, like I said, Cal uncharacteristically, uncharacteristic, uh, uncharacteristically was just off. And I kind of pointed this out. In the Ravens game where he came out just throwing the football, drop back and letting Purdy just sling it all over the place, and it led to what it led to. And with this game, like I said, it that could have very similarly happened where Purdy turnovers hurt the Niners and they lose the, this game. It didn't. Now, I will say this. It, sometimes in football, it comes down to like the last drive and plays needing to be made. I talked about it on the previous segment with Buffalo and their offense and how they had three shots at it in the fourth quarter, down three points, at home, opportunity, march down the field and take the lead and put pressure on Mahomes and the Chiefs, and they just weren't able to do it. And with the 49ers aspect, Brock Purdy down four, gets the ball back, um, leads his team in a game-winning drive. Leads his team with a game with a drive. Now, obviously, 
you know, the missed field goal kind of caught, kind of pulled to that. But ultimately, Purdy made throws when they needed to be made. Um, Ayuk made some big time catches. Jawan Jennings made some big time catches um, on that last drive that I'm referring to. Uh, Chris Conley. Chris Conley had made a pretty good time, a pretty big time catch, and it was a pretty big time throw from Purdy. So I'm not saying Purdy, not saying Purdy is bad. I'm a Brock Purdy fan, but I like after the game, everybody like, man, Brock Purdy just did it again. He continues to amaze, and it's like bumble breaks. (laughs) Granted, yes, that that was a his that last drive kind of balanced out his bad play or his inconsistent play throughout the game. But let's not make it seem like Brock Purdy was it's just like, man, he's he just cemented himself into legendary status. No, 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 no. And, and, and I'm as big as a Brock Purdy fan as you would find. I, I back Brock Purdy all throughout the year. So I'm a Brock Purdy fan. But we like we can't make it seem like he just played just out of his mind. No, 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 no. And that's the thing about football. And that's what I talked about with Josh Allen. That's what I talked about, the upside and downside to this, to sports in general, just being result-based. We look at the result. The Niners won. They're they're back in the NFC Championship game for the fourth time in five years, and they'll probably be favorite to beat the Lions, and they'll probably be in the Super Bowl, right? So we're we're so contingent and focused on the result, but – like I said, no one is going 20 years from now, you know, no, I don't know how Brock Purdy's career is going to shape up, but 20, 25 years from now, it is not going to say, yeah, he won that playoff game, but he was bad. He was, he was so, so for the first three and a half quarters. No, it's not going to say that. It's going to say he beat Jordan Love and the Packers in that divisional game. And he led a taint, a game winning drive, Right. That's ultimately what's going to be remembered. But like I said, if you want to add contextual detail, obviously it didn't, he did not play a smooth, clean game, right? He did not play that game like that. I've seen Brock Purdy play better games. I've seen him play better, right? But clearly in the rain, especially, there is limitations. He doesn't throw a good wet ball. Um, when it's raining, we saw it, and, and we have two instances of it versus Cleveland and versus the Packers this past Saturday, where it was raining and it it wasn't like a monsoon or anything, but it was typical Northern California rain, fifty nine degrees. It was sixty degrees and it was raining. It was pouring, right? Raining cats and dogs. What like I said, was it wasn't a, just a wintry mix or of a monsoon or anything, but it was just raining, and Purdy obviously was struggling to throw the football. The ball, some of his throws didn't have the same zip. Some of his throws weren't as accurate as we are accustomed to seeing Brock Purdy. Um, as we're accustomed to seeing Brock Purdy throw the ball around the yard, right, right. But as I said. In football, it comes down to you making plays at the right moment, at the right time, and I and I get it. He he did what he's supposed to do. 
He led a game-winning drive. He made some big-time throws. He had some big-time third-down conversions in that drive, and that's what that's what led to them winning. But I think in that same instance, we can also peel back the layers and say, hey, yes, he did lead a game-winning drive, and he did come through in the biggest spot and the biggest moment that his team needed him to come through in. But from a grand scheme of things and overall, he didn't play a great game. He didn't play a great game at all, right? Like, he didn't play a great game at all. You Just like a basketball player, you can go two for ten, but if those two field goals that you make, those two baskets that you make come down and, you know, they're in the closing moments and they ultimately help your team win the game, then we're like, wow, this guy came through in the clutch. But well, you're not going to say he had a great game. No, he shot two for ten. He shot 20% from the field. It was just that the two shots that he made, were the two most two critical baskets of the game, right? Um, so that's what Purdy, that's Brock Purdy. And another thing with Cal, that's kind of head scratching and thinking about, hey, we have two more, we have two more games left. Well, I should say three more games. So you guys better enjoy it. We got three more games. We got the conference championships and then ultimately the Super Bowl. So enjoy it while you can because after that, won't be much football to watch. Obviously, there's spring football, but you guys get the gist. Won't be much football um, up until August when college football resumes. Kyle Shanahan has to start trusting his quarterbacks a little bit more in certain spots. And it's weird because in the rain, wet ball, you, know, you clearly know that Purdy isn't uh, – like him as a thrower and as a passer of the football in these type of conditions, it comes with limitations and you just, you give him such a long leash where I thought the Niners, they've dominated all year long with Christian McCaffrey running the football. And I would argue he is their best. He's their engine and he is their more, he's the, he's their most integral part of their offense, Right. He's going to probably end up winning Offensive Player of the Year. And I think he also set a record, um, hasn't been done since Emmitt Smith since 1995, but he led the league in rushing every week of the season. That hasn't been done since Emmitt Smith of Way the Cowboys in 1995. Christian McCaffrey did that this year. He led the league in rushing every week of the year so you would think rain Debo Samuel goes down this is the perfect time to call on Chris McCaffrey no but in opportune spots and I don't care how how much Cal says he trusts his quarterbacks and he has faith in his quarterbacks and he talk up his quarterbacks in moments where okay Almost going into halftime. There's a minute and some change left. You have timeouts. Why it's the, the the score is seven to six. Why are you being so conservative? Why do why is that the moment you choose to be conservative? So I, I like I think it just leaves me clueless at times, right? Like I said, and Kyle for his standards. For Brock Purdy and Kyle, like for his for Kyle Shanahan standards, that was probably one of the worst coach games I've seen him coach. I I, I had a lot of takeaways from that. 
where I thought he could have there there could have been some changes that were tweaked and made that he did not make. But the biggest thing that stands out to me is the lack of trust that he has in his quarterback. And like I said, he continues to say, hey, you know, I love my I love Brock Purdy and he's trusting him. But in these instances, in weird, peculiar, situational football, he gets conventional and conservative when I'm like, you got to push the ball down the field. You got you got timeouts. The time the clock is on your side. Why? Why get conservative? Why go ultra just neutral? Right. That's just my thing with Kyle. Um, you know, Niners defense, you know, they got they got some they talented players, a talented group, but they got some flaws. They got some flaws they gotta tweak out. Um, especially with Detroit coming into town. The Debo the Debo injury is serious. Um, it's serious. They they they're gonna need in this with this offense, um, if they're fortunate enough to beat the Lions. And they have to play a Kansas City or Baltimore, really. Neither – it doesn't matter which team because both teams defensively are really good. And I can see both teams, Kansas City and Baltimore, without a 40 without a, a 49er less Debo Samuel, I can see them kind of putting the shackles and, you know, stopping the run game and forcing Brock Purdy to drop back and try to beat them. I can see that – being a scenario that could play out with either AFC team that represents the Super Bowl, whether it's Baltimore and Kansas City. And with Baltimore, we actually have evidence of it where Brock Purdy played his worst career game statistically versus the Ravens on Christmas night this past year in the regular season. And with Kansas City, I would imagine with their defense playing at the level that they're playing, they could cause similar friction and issues. So huge, huge for the 49ers. Now, from the Packers' perspective, man, the 49ers have had the Packers' number, kind of similar to the Bills, Chiefs' Bills. 49ers, I think this now makes it five straight times they have beaten the Packers in the postseason. Um, Obviously, Aaron Rodgers – in the back end of his prime in Green Bay, he has ran up against the Niners and has not been able to beat them. Um, several years back when the Niners got to the Super Bowl to play the Chiefs, they beat the Packers, and that was the game Garoppolo, I think, threw like eight passes. And the Niners just had their way physically on the game, on the ground. You just give it a tip of the cap to the Niners because they physically just dominated and shoved Green Bay. Um, fast forward to the 2021, I think it was 2021. Fast forward to the 2021 uh, divisional playoffs. The, the 49ers go to Lambeau. It's snowing. It's frigid. And the Packers, Aaron Rodgers, they're coming off another 13-win season. Aaron Rodgers coming off another MVP. You would suspect that the Packers definitely were favorites and should have won that game. And they should have. They didn't. They lost. Um, pump a block. I mean, Niners blocked the punt, which ultimately kind of it, it altered the game, um, and it led to the 49ers winning with a leadoff uh, game-winning kick kick with Robbie Gold. 
this past year, as I said, the Packers, they came into they came into Levi Stadium and it looked like they they thought they could have beaten the 49ers that day. And ultimately they should have. They could have. It was the game was very much in the palm of their hands. But I have to say this the Packers and Matt LaFleur and Jordan Love, they have done a really good job with bringing Jordan Love along. And you got to give some credit, obviously, to Jordan Love, because Jordan Love, the talent, he can he can make some of these off-script plays, these off-platform throws that is necessary to in order to be elite and to compete at an elite level. And with the Packers, you walk away with that game, you're like, man, okay, they might have beat us, but we definitely have our guy of the future. We have our guy, we have our quarterback for the future. And I would suspect that the Packers, they're going to be competing for some time because we know the Packers. We can get on Brian Gunkoontz and and Murphy about how, you know, their roster construction, but it's kind of hard to argue it when, you know, they they were just a game away from the NFC Championship game and beating a team that they could not beat with Aaron Rodgers, right? With arguably the best quarterback in their franchise's history. They couldn't even beat this team. Jordan Love almost did it in his first year as a starter. So you got to give a tip of the cap to this Packers organization. Um, Aaron Jones is a stud. He is a baller. He's an absolute baller when he's healthy. Um, the defense surprisingly was causing some havoc. Um, and they was they were giving the 49ers all they can handle. I just think, you know, this team would be a good team down the road, but a learning lesson is hey, when in these especially in these postseason games versus really good teams, when you're driving down the field and you get in the red zone, things become a little bit the field shrinks. And you got to find a way to cash in on these red zone trips. And I ultimately, looking back at the Kansas City and Buffalo game, I thought that would hurt Kansas City because the first couple times they drove the field, the length of the field, and got in, you know, in scoring territory in the red zone, they weren't able to convert. They had to kick field goals. And I was like, wow, that might end up hurting Kansas City. Now, ultimately, it didn't. But with Green Bay, it did. There were opportunities and chances in the red zone that they weren't able to cash in on that, like, i.e., for instance, last week versus the Cowboys, when they got to the red zone, they were able to score. First two red zone trips ended in six points. Got to the red zone two times. It ended with it ended with two field goals. So that 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 ultimately that's the difference between hey, six points and 14 points, right? Or even just 10 points. You got to be able to cash in and, and, and on these red zone trips and these red zone conversions um, because, you know, down the road as the, t- as the game goes on, you know, seven points, discrepancy from three. So um, that's just my take on it. We're going to uh, – Lions, Ravens, they come out victorious in their games. I'm going to talk about that as well. With the Ravens, I thought I thought the first half of that game, Ravens-Texans, was really good. Closely competitive. 
I thought D'Amico Ryans and that Texans defense was giving Lamar Jackson and that offense all that they can handle. I think ultimately, obviously, the better team won. Um, I think the Texans, in terms of just a talent for talent, position player for player, the Ravens just outweighed them. And I just think Houston just ran out of gas. Um, but I think Houston's well coached. Similar to Green Bay, I walk away with the same, the same takeaway. Both Green Bay and Houston, they were playing with house money. They were the inferior opponent. I think Green Bay a little bit more. Uh, Green Bay got some nice players, nice pieces on offense. Um, Houston, I feel like player for player, position for position, they lack a little bit more versus Baltimore than what Green Bay did versus the Niners. But ultimately, both teams were playing with house money. And Green Bay kind of all the way throughout the game, they kept it close with San Fran, and they gave San Fran all they could handle. In the first half of that Ravens game, they Houston was nipping, tucking at it, nipping, tucking at it. Couldn't get much going offensively. <laughs> that Ravens defense is just so – they're, they're they're like a bully, like they're physical, they're fast, they're quick, they're fast at every level of their defense, from their defensive line to their linebacking core, which I feel like is the heart of that defense, and then their secondary, even with Marlon Humphrey being out, you couldn't tell because that secondary, that defense only gave up three points. So, you know, well-coached team, great season for the Texans. I mean, like I said, they got one in CJ Stroud. He's gonna be he's gonna be playing. I think he's gonna be playing at this level for for some years down the line. They're gonna be in the thick of the AFC conversation as long as Stroud is playing at this level along with D'Amico Ryan's. They're gonna be they're gonna be continuously knocking at the door. And with Baltimore, you know. Kansas City, as victorious as they were, and I'm not going to give my predictions for this upcoming weekend's games yet. I'm going to do that later in the week. But, but it, it just seems like it seems like it's Baltimore year, right? It seems like it's Baltimore's year. Lamar Jackson is going to cash in on a Super Bowl berth. Um, and it looks like overall, Baltimore, I would say, has been the best overall team. Um Throughout the year, they they are they're setting records on the amount of winning te- on a, on the amount of teams that they have beaten with a winning wec- a winning record, and they're not just beating these teams with winning records. They're beating them by a substantial amount of points. Like they're beating them in the games, whether they're close in the second half or not. These games aren't even close. Like they absolutely mollywhopped Miami. They mollywhopped Detroit. They completely took over and dominated the second half of that Texans game. Right. And that's so that's what you're getting from Baltimore. And like I said, overall, to me, they just feel like the best overall team. They feel like they don't have as many holes. I think like as as you know, as highly as I talked about. Kansas City in the opening segment and how they were able to overcome and beat Buffalo on the road. Kansas City still has some flaws, right? They still have some flaws. They got some injuries. Um, 
there's some key injuries on their defense that you know it, it would be it would be nice if the linebacker gay i think his name is william gay if, if if they can have him or if they can't have him and he can't go that's going to be a vital loss to their defense but they got some holes they got some flaws with baltimore i i can't they're they run the ball really well they're effective even with the the amount of injuries that they have piled up in terms of their running back room they still run the ball effectively um their passing game has come along really nicely throughout the second half of the season and you you got you have to respect it zay flowers has been an integral part isaiah likely has turned into like a star he's like he's big six five athletic like he's turned into he's he's slowly emerging into a star and one of Lamar's favorite targets, right? They still have OBJ. They still got guys like Bateman. So their offense and their passing game specifically, particularly, should be respected. Like I said, their defense is just stellar. Ray McDonald, like Mike McDonald is that DC, that their DC is just working wonders and gr- granted, he has some really good personnel, but he's doing wonders with that team and with in the way they play defense. Like Baltimore, I feel like <clears throat> they're a good throwback, right? They're like it's traditional. They control the line of scrimmage with the trenches and the physicality, and they play really good defense and they run the football. But then they also have some nice. They have some nice parts about them offensively that's very modern and very 2023, 2024 football. That's what they have. I I like the mixture that they have. It's a mixture of throwback, toughness, physicality, but then also being able to spread you out, throw the football down the field, and, and having that explosive play that we see in, in football in 2024. They, they have those elements, and I think that's what kind of makes them the perfect miss, mix and overall the best team that's still remaining in the NFL playoffs. Detroit, Tampa Bay, uh, you know, both teams, I would say, have overachieved. Coming into the year, uh, and I'll start with Detroit. Coming into the year, Detroit, I had a pretty good feeling that they would be a really good football team. I thought they would be a double-digit win football team. Um, I I figured that they would host a playoff game and that they would probably win a playoff game. NFC Championship berth, I did not see coming at the start of the season. I did not see that coming. I'm not even going to lie. I thought Dallas was a little better. I thought Philly was a little better. I thought they were at least two to three teams that were better. So I, I'm not even mad at the fact that, hey, Detroit, it's a great story. It's a really good feel-good feel good story. As I explained last week, I think what they have been able to do in terms of the draft over the past several years um, – Organizational structure matters. Obviously, Dan Campbell has been excellent. It it really has changed the fortunes of this franchise. And I believe it or not, I really do truly think that they can they can 
they can they can beat the 49ers. I there is a scenario, and I can see them beating the 49ers. Like I said, not get my prediction yet. I'm gonna wait to do that at the end of the week, but I can see that. With the Buccaneers, they completely overachieved. No one thought they were going to win their division. Everybody picked the Saints. Most people thought it was a full-gone conclusion. Buccaneers, like I said, I feel I feel really good for Baker Mayfield. I've, I've been really critical of Baker Mayfield um, earlier in his career, dating back to his Cleveland days. But his story has been really good to see formulate, materialize, and the way how it's played out. So I – I I I like I love that for Baker. I really do love that for Baker. This and like I told you guys last week, this Tampa Bay team, they got some nice pieces. Mike Evans, like they got some nice, impactful players in different spots on both sides of the ball. So I can I can fathom how they gotten this far. You know, Todd Bowles, shouts out to him too. He's been under a lot of heat. A lot of people, a lot of people, the general census was that, hey, Todd Bowles, you know, the classic good coordinator, great coordinator, so-so coach. That's typically what he's been, and he's been looked upon as. So good for him as well. But um, that is my thoughts on Divisional Weekend. Um, Like I said, there was some really great games on television this past weekend.